As a developer, you love building things that are fun and that matter. Do you want to add authentication to yet another app? Do you want to stay updated with all the security issues and patch them? Why not leave it to the experts? Auth0 is the easiest and fastest way to implement real-world authentication and authorization architectures into your apps and APIs. Allow your users to log in with either regular username and password, social identity providers like Facebook and Twitter, enterprise identity providers such as Active Directory, Office 365, etc., or without passwords with an email login like Slack or phone login like WhatsApp. Getting started is easy. Add authentication to your JavaScript front-end, React, Angular, Vue, and others, or Node.js API in less than 10 minutes by writing only a few lines of code. No credit card required. Get the free plan or try the enterprise plan for 21 days at auth0.io slash jsjabber. That's Auth0 with the zero. Auth0 is trusted by developers at Atlassian, Mozilla, Bluetooth, Optimizely, Financial Times, and The Wall Street Journal. Try it out at auth0.io slash jsjabber, that's auth0 with the number zero, and get back time building core features. Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of JavaScript Jabber. This week on our panel, we have Amy Knight. Hello from Nashville with pneumonia. <laughs> and we're recording this on Halloween, and so uh, Corey's at a party, Joe is still moving into his new house. So yeah, so you're stuck with with me, you know, Amy will ask all the smart questions and I'll ask all the dumb ones. Uh, I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. And this week we have a special guest and that is Kai. I don't even know how to say your last name. My name is Kai Hohenberger. Hohenberger. I should, I yep. should have shot at it. I probably could have gotten close. Yeah, you did a pretty good job. Do you want to uh, uh, give us a brief intro who you are, why you're famous, all that stuff? I don't know about famous, but my name is Kai Hohenberger. I'm a developer and uh, I'm a co-founder of Sideway. And my library that I've been getting attention for lately is called Emotion. And it's a CSS and JS library. So just to start us out, I was going to get an intro to Emotion, but maybe you should start with what a CSS and JS library is. Like, what does that mean? Okay, so when you're doing modern web development, you... You have this triangle of HTML, JavaScript, and CSS. And so you have those three things, and that's what you build a page with. Well, there's this set of built-in APIs uh, called the CSS OM that allow you to change CSS styles via JavaScript. And so we just leverage those APIs and kind of move the CSS part of that triangle closer to the JavaScript part. And and control CSS with JavaScript. That's, that's basically what it comes down to, is controlling CSS with JavaScript. So my, my first question um, when I first started digging into this a while ago was, like, what is the problem it's trying to solve? The biggest problem it solves for me personally, and uh, I've heard this from other people, is the developer experience of writing an application and building a product. Uh, the... The reduction in context switches is the is the easy target to go for, and that means when you're working on a say a React component or something, and you need to change or adjust some styles, you don't have to jump to another page. You don't have to alt tab. There's no you just edit right there in the same file, and you have this easy er kind of jump. To what am I styling? Okay, this is what the style looks like. Okay, this is the result of the style. 
So you can just go back and forth quickly. Yeah, but doesn't Framework du jour do that? I mean, with JSX or Angular components or whatever? You, you know, it's all in the same file, or at least it can be. Of course, but if you're using traditional CSS, you're going to have a style sheet somewhere that you're jumping to and looking at. Or, you know, even if you have your editor side by side and you have CSS on one side and your component on one on another, uh, you're still you're still changing context. You're still the rules are different for CSS than they are JavaScript. Uh, I've just found it so much easier, and we've run into less style bugs things like that when using CSS and JS. So I kind of have another question though too. So the place I work now, so I work for Warner Brothers and we like the style is, is everything like that is their brand. So the styles that I end up implementing here are uh, a lot more complex from other applications I've worked on. Um, and, and when I was working in react and, and using this, I, like the styles that I was writing um, they were pretty simple. So compared to like the styles I write now, like I like, write a lot of like CSS animations and um, just really, really, really a lot more complex than the stuff I was doing in React. So uh, I'm curious like how far you've taken this, like what kind of styling you're using? Well, that's a great question. That's like a perfect lead in. To... Yeah, it, I, I guess like I asked the question because it gets hard for me to imagine writing some of the more complex styles I, I write now in JavaScript. Oh, yeah. So this is a, an awesome question. And the thing is, uh, the latest project I've worked on, um, and one of the reasons for Emotion uh, is Healthline.com. They're a health provider website. If you search for an ail an illness, the, one of the Google results will be Healthline probably. And what we did for them was, we moved all of their stuff to a modern stack, and we needed to move very quickly. And the and we hit this problem of we had these really complex media queries uh, that the site would look almost completely different at the three or four different breakpoints. And so we had these ginormous media query. Yeah, that's a great example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and what we would end up doing was you. You think about it and you start having to map, okay, this color is blue at the, the lowest uh, media query. And then, you you know, you have to write four different declarations and they're spread out depending on how you have it organized and all that. And so when we were working on Healthline, we started just, we have a, uh, a theme file and it has all of our breakpoints in an array. And so, you know, min width uh, 300, min width 700, and so on. And what we do is writing CSS and JS, we were able to uh, almost compact all of that code down to uh, an object style. And one of the keys is just one of those breakpoints. And so you'll see an array of breakpoints and their, their associated styles. And so what that allowed us to do was we were moving so fast. We could get the comp, we see the mobile, we put the mobile value. We see the we see the uh, tablet value, we put the tablet value right below that, and so on and so on. And so we've we've compacted this whole idea of a, of a media query style for a page down to a component. And it's, you know, 15 lines or whatever. It's just, you're able to like, you're able to see 
exactly what you're working on in a in a very uh, clear manner. There's no it, just being more compact helps with that. It's what I'm trying to get at. Did I answer your question, or did I go way off? I don't. I don't know <laughs> if I completely understand um, what you're driving at yeah. with it being more compact. I mean, you know, the the mobile friendly media query, uh, responsive design kind of thing. I mean that that's helpful, and and it's a useful example because I don't know how you would do that in sort of a React component or an Angular component, you know, with with JSX or what have you. So uh, to me, that makes sense, but. How, how does putting it into JavaScript help that be more compact? Uh, I think compact is the is the wrong word. Uh, it's almost like a, a uh, your it's a more declarative style to to write your CSS in such a way. The way, for instance, when we on Healthline we came to the kind of we tried a bunch of things and we ended up using inline CSS, we have a special prop called CSS and uh, that dynamically generates emotion styles for us for that element. So we're able to basically use inline styles everywhere without the without the uh, negative aspects of using inline styles. Uh, and what you're able to do is declare this div right here that I'm looking at, I know that it's a display flex. I know the flex threat. And then I know that at the next media query, all of that changes. It's all written in one spot on the div. Oh, okay. So you, you have all of your different breakpoints basically encoded into each component. Sure. Yeah, that's true. That's correct. And I feel that's like... Correct. I feel like I'm following what you're saying, but my, I guess like where I was going to with it is, you know, not just like animations, but transitions and, um, you know, like I'm writing, I'm writing Angular right now, but we're using components and, um, like it's not unusual for me to have one component, um, and have a CSS file with like two to 300 lines of CSS. And for me, like putting that all into JavaScript in the single file, like I, it, it's a lot. So I'm wondering, like on, on an application where you have to write that many styles, if you still think that this is a good approach. Uh, of course, uh, I think it is. And the reason is um, in CSS or SAS, uh, you have. Uh, uh, are you using any kind of like uh, SAS or yep. less or? Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> So you have mixins. Yep. And so mixins are basically a, a function, right? Yep. And so you can do the same thing with JavaScript styles. And uh, what we end up using in practice a lot is we'll have like a, well, let's say a box. And that'll have your basic display flex. So you'll have like a, we basically build up styles from little pieces. And with Emotion, you're able to mix all these little pieces of, uh, we call them fragments. Um, and you can just mix all these fragments together to make resulting styles. So what ends up happening is you take those 300 lines and you end up taking out most of the, the repeated things. And you can uh, extract them out and make them reusable. And with, and with as for the animations, uh, emotion has this thing called keyframes in which you define uh, your animation 
and the return value is the name of the animation. So you just use that return that 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 name anywhere you use the animation name uh, style property. Uh, so you can actually generate those on the fly. Uh, you can do them, make them in a loop, uh, any way you want. You have the power of JavaScript at your hands to generate these styles. And so what you can do is you can start from like a, you can start to reduce your your massive styles to their component parts. Uh, that's how we attacked it at uh, at Helpline especially. <laughs> that help at all? Yeah, I think so. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so I'm just kind of envisioning this. I mean, I've used SAS as well. SAS was originally written in Ruby, and that's where I was introduced to it. But, I mean, I've seen interpreters for SAS and LESS, and LESS was originally JavaScript-driven um, anyway, the, the compilation was. So I guess what I'm, I'm curious about then is, you know, wh where do you see people using this? You know, you, you mentioned using it in components. So do you just can you just pull this into, like, a React component or an Angular component? Uh, you can actually use uh, Emotion specifically. I don't. Uh, some of the other libraries I don't know about, but Emotion specifically, uh, the core of Emotion is the CSS function, and that function just returns a class name. So anything, any JavaScript interface, anything that can take a class name, you can use Emotion. Uh, uh, I've tried it with Angular. I've tried it. I built a jQuery plugin around it. Um, all kinds of stuff. Uh, any, any, it just generates a class name, and you can apply it to anything. So with the animations and things, then, if you apply that class name, does it combine the JavaScript functionality with the CSS animations in order to make the magic happen? Or is it all CSS, or how does that work? It is all CSS. Um, would you like to talk about the like how it core the core works? Uh, yeah, that's probably a good idea. Why don't you give us kind of the ten thousand foot view of what uh, emotion does, and then we can drill into how it works and what it does specifically. Okay. Specifically. Okay. When you guys want to write styles for uh, an HTML page, how do you usually go about it? Like, if you want to insert a CSS file or a style tag, how how do you usually do it? You usually just insert the style tag in the head and you put some CSS in there or you link to some CSS file and you get the CSS. Yep. I, that's, it's, it's pretty, other than looking it up on Stack Overflow, how the link tag works, because I do that every time. I can never remember. But when you're using Emotion, under the hood, we're doing the same exact thing. We, we create a style tag. We append it to the head. And we take that reference to that style tag and we hold on to it. And what we do is every time you create a style with the CSS function or the style, you create a styled component, we parse all of the rules with stylus, which is a preprocessor that's written in JavaScript. And then we insert them, the rules one at a time into that style sheet via the insert rule call. <laughs> this is a very, very fast API. Um, I think I reached like over 10,000 a second testing. It was it it was insane. It was actually less than a second to get 10,000 rules in there. Uh, but emotion is entirely built around this this uh, this core insert rule idea, and everything is built to 
get styles however you're comfortable writing them down to individual rules that can be inserted into the CSS OM. And that's, a, that's how it works. Is that too high or too low? No, I think I get it. When you say CSS OM, you're talking about basically what we think of as the DOM except for JavaScript or for CSS? It's it's described as a pendant of DOM and HTML APIs. I don't really know how to describe it other than it's part of the DOM, but it's the part that lets you uh, manipulate styles. From what I understand and when I was reading through the uh, Chromium code, um, when you're using a style tag and all that, it, it all runs to the same API. Okay. Yeah. Then We're just manipulating it directly. Right. So you insert a rule, and that rule gets applied to anything with that class. Yep. And the way it works, the way we come up with the class name is uh, we turn anything you give emotion, uh, we kind of reduce it down to a string, a series of strings, and we hash that string. And that hash is unique to that final style. And that is how you get the class name. It's a CSS and that hash. And what we can do with that hash is we can like we can cache uh, pieces of the style, uh, so we don't recompute little parts. And we can also uh, hash or uh, cache the final result, so we don't insert it twice. Interesting. Yeah. So essentially, then this library works just by creating the rules. Yeah, and then inserting them into the page. So how do you come up with a syntax for this? Because, I mean, some of this, you know, with animations or things like that, you know, if you want to specify the basically the speed or something like that, I can also see this as a convenient way to insert uh, common colors or other variables, essentially, through an entire code base. But what about things that are pretty simple, like just font or background color or something like that do you i mean do you just so we'll, essentially build off of an object or are you you know off of a string or how does that all come together it depends how you want to write your your css and js some people really prefer to use the string syntax and they bring the css you know styles of strings directly over and wrap them in a uh you know the the tag template literal, mm -hmm. and they love the, the string styles. Um, Prettier supports them. Most editors have highlighting and all that for the, they, they turn the, the strings into like SAS. So you get all the highlighting, all the autocomplete, everything. Some people like object styles, and that's one of the things I like personally. Um, so I'm sorry, I forgot the original question. Yeah, I was just curious. I mean, it seems like a lot of the elements out there are styled, you know, based on strings. I mean, even Angular, you know, it's just a multi-line string if you're doing yeah. it inside the component. But I've also seen other um, similar systems basically use a JavaScript object that gets converted. I think... But, yeah. I think React that, does something like that. I think it also will allow you to do, interpolate into strings. So... Yeah, so... What's, what's really cool about Emotion is it can accept both at the same time. 
so you can mix and match. Uh, style components does this too. Um, say you have a string style and you have a theme with a uh, like with a uh, that has an object that has the keys and the values of the style prop and a style value. You can just use a uh, a template expression and bring that object in, and it'll apply it right there where you think it will. And it, it basically expands it and turns it into a string on the fly. And so you can mix and match. Uh, what most people are doing these days is there's a emotion and these other libraries, they have a theme wrapper and you wrap your application in this theme provider and you give it a theme and that, you know, usually like has colors, standard height, spacing, uh, things of that nature. And any time you use a styled component, one of the props is theme. So if you need to set the prop of the font size and you want a standard prop, uh, font size, you would just uh, set the font size to props.theme.standard font size, for instance. So you can pass this theme around and uh, internally through context. Uh, my personal way to do it is I use a theme uh, import. I just import a theme throughout the, the project and that has all of our our, our colors, our breakpoints, our spacing. Uh, so everything's consistent. Uh, you can also build up smaller pieces of styles. For Healthline, for instance, we have uh, a bunch of different fonts that we use and their, their, their font weights and everything are different. So we have like a standard bold and that even changes the color and things like that. And we just add those different pieces into our final styles and we're able to build up these final resulting uh, styles that we can use that are, you know, just a little bit different, but we need it on this page or this component. Uh, I hope I got your question. <laughs> yeah, I, I find the whole idea pretty interesting and I'm pretty certain that there are going to be some things in here that I just didn't even think of that are things that you're going to be considering as you build something like this. I mean, from, from oh, yeah. the standpoint of, you know, hey, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll define this style and I'm just going to, you know, convert it to CSS and stick it into the page. I mean, what, what are some of the gotchas? Do you have uh, compatibility issues oh. between browsers or, I mean, wh where, where does it start to fall down and what problems that are hard are you solving for me? Okay, so it, I wrote a, an article called uh, Writing a CSS and JS Library from Scratch. And in that, I kind of go over the fact that when you do this by yourself or the, the first time, you're going to – the, the first problem you're going to hit is how do I remove duplicates? So you, you have to figure out how to hash the string. Mm -hmm. And then it gets, starts to get really complicated when you start to um, build styles and combine them and the specificity that, that goes along with that. So if I were to put a, a, a style and I have like color blue, color red, and then I import, a, I bring in another um style block that has a, a color definition inside of it and so on which color is that is that is that style block 
I need the users have to know for sure that the last color that they put in that style block is the color that their element is going to be. So you have to build up all of this and keep track of where everything has been inserted and how to build up the styles. Once the really, really hard part is what stylist does, and that is taking a, a raw string of styles, parsing it, and prefixing all the rules, and then, and then giving that back to us in a way that we can insert it into the DOM or into the CSSOM in the correct order. It's a very, it's a very challenging problem, especially when it comes to media queries and things like that, because media queries are, are, are at rules, have their own list of CSS rules inside of them. So they become like this nested doll of, of rules, and it's really hard to unwrap and write out to the in the correct order to uh, to your style sheet. There's there's a lot of very hard problems, and most of them come from mixing styles and accepting all the different types of uh, inputs that you could you can supply to Emotion. Interesting. Yep. This episode is sponsored by Linode. Linode is offering listeners of this podcast a $20 credit, which is good for four free months at their lowest plan. Their plans start at one gigabyte of RAM for $5 a month. You can get your servers in any of their 10 data centers, and their high memory plans start at 16 gigabytes. Get a server running in under a minute. They do hourly billing with a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups, node balancers, long view, etc., VMs for full control, running Docker containers, encrypted disks, VPNs, etc. You can run a private Git server. They provide native SSD storage, 200 gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors. They have 24-7 friendly support, even on holidays, and a seven-day money-back guaranteed. So go check them out at linode.com slash JavaScript Jabber. And so, and as far as like React motion, Emotion, we do all kinds of optimizations for you. Uh, from uh, if you uh, with React Emotion, you can pass in any component to the styled call, and it'll and if it's another styled component, it'll take all of its styles and it'll mix them in the order you expect, and that includes dynamic styles. So let's say you had a a base button, and it had a its border was based on some prop. And then you and you made a, uh, your own custom button that wrapped that first button. You would ex you you need to expect and know that if you set a prop for the color, that the border color is going to be whatever color you set. Does that does that make sense? Yep. So you can compose these style components as far down as you'd like, and you're going to get the result you expect, and if the props you expect, and all of that. Right. So we handle all that for you. The right level in the right order in order to get what you expect. Yep. The, the goal is to be able to guarantee users that they can abuse emotion and they'll get what they expect. We've added so many features for people using emotion in ways we never expected. And it's a great thing. I love it. I, I, I'm more than happy to support all of these because it just means that somebody else is expressing their the way they want to write styles. And it works for them. So one question I have is, how does this compare to like the more popular libraries I'm used to hearing, like styled components and glamorous? Uh, the difference between styled components 
and emotion comes down to uh, an ideology, uh, almost like a a low-level architecture decision. Uh, Style components is built around the style component, the style tag. Um, They have a CSS utility function where you can define styles and uh, like a fragment of a style and you have a reusable fragment. Um, so they have that API. Um, but Emotion is built around it, completely around that CSS function. It is extremely powerful. Everything is just bolted on around that. And uh, because of that, we're able to, to tell users you can use Emotion however you'd like. Uh, if you want to use the CSS function, you can. Uh, you can mix and match. Um, I actually love the hybrid approach. Uh, but Style Components also has another thing that they're working on changing, but I haven't seen it. Um, so as I spoke about earlier, Emotion uses the insert rule API uh, in production mode and when, when you're using it in production. And that insert rule API is extremely fast. Uh, style components has uh, this is how it sits currently. They they don't use the insert rule API. What they do is they create a style tag for every single style that you create, and then they change the text content of the style tag, and then the browser will parse that style and apply it. So they're doing like the a manual text content switch and it turn it's not very fast. Uh, they're switching over to insert rule, but uh, that PR is still open. Now the difference between emotion and something like glamorous is a lot less than you would think. Um, glamorous is based on glamour, which is uh, its engine or the core of it is based around object styles. And what it does is it will actually use uh, uses like a map and reduce type algorithm to uh, reduce your your big object styles that you give it into a, uh, a simple object that it can turn into a string. Uh, Glamour is a great library. It's a great idea, but the power of it comes from a cache, a weak map cache. So if you give it the same object over and over again, it doesn't even recompute. It just uses this cache. And uh, it's very fast. The problem with something like Glamorous or wrapping Glamour in general is you break that cache because you create a new object on every render that you pass to Glamour. And so it, it ends up being slower than you would think um, to use these object styles and that, that weak map cache because of the weakness that when you start mixing styles together and you start composing you end up generating new objects that break the Glamour cache. And uh, Glamour is what we used originally at Healthline, and we had problems uh, with scaling uh, So on the server side. So we ended up uh, moving more towards a pure Glamour uh, environment where we had object styles, and it still wasn't enough. And so... um, kept working on emotion and emotion was basically built around this idea that we need to scale healthline and it can't it can't be slow 
And uh, it needs to be based around strings to reduce memory pressure. And so we uh, this uh, contributor to a motion named Mitchell. He got this all working with stylus and it just became a much faster version of what Glamorous is. And we completely support the Glamorous API. Uh, so the migration looks painless. And that's the reason why we support object styles so much and so well. Uh, it's used on a 100 million view a month website. So how do you it's, test something like this? Uh, how do I test? Uh, in what context? So first of all, just developing it, right? I mean... Do you just go query the CSSOM in order to make sure that things got inserted in the right way? or uh, Yeah, at a very high level, that's correct. Um, there's some really clever tools out there that people have invented or come up with uh, for Jest. And we actually use these tools. And uh, what the particular one my favorite does is uh, uses the React test renderer. And you render... Uh, you shallow render a React component, and then you uh, you pass it to the snapshot tool of Jest. And what our special tool does is it will look at the style sheet that it has in memory, and it'll say, okay, I have these selectors and these styles. What do you have in your HTML that you generated when you did that test render? Oh, okay, well, these match and let's display them together in the snapshot. So for every component in your snapshot, you have a C the CSS that was generated, the final CSS that was generated, and the, the output of the component uh, right underneath it. So you can tell exactly your CSS that went with that component at render time. And so you have these really detailed snapshots. And uh, uh, so that's how we built it uh, and how we test it today. Now, if I'm using this in my own library or in my own application, is there a way for me to test it or am I pretty much uh, confined oh, of to course. Uh, inspection? Of course. So uh, we have the tool and the, and the setup available um, uh, in our docs. We have a complete guide on how to set this up under docs testing. And it goes over the entire thing with screenshots and how to get it all set up for you. Uh, it's available to everyone. The library that we use is funny enough called Just Glamour React. Uh, it, you can customize it, and we just do that uh, and run it with emotion. Uh, oh, that's funny. Just Glamour React <laughs> that's run with emotion. Yep, pretty much. Uh, I didn't. I mean, it's no use in duplicating the code. Uh, we put in a PR to allow uh, a customization option, and it worked out for everybody. Nice. Yeah. It's really cool about the, uh, the CSS and JS community is uh, how much we've all been helping one another and uh, being supportive and all of that. Um, it's been really fun uh, to work together with everyone like that. There are other ways to test as well. Like you mentioned, you can output just the style sheet. And uh, what we do when we want to do that is we run it through the uh, NPM library CSS. 
and we format the style sheets and we print them out and, and compare them against snapshots that we have. Um, the, we have some crazy tests and emotion. We have almost hundred percent coverage. Um, we have some, some tests that revolve around selectivity that go really deep, uh, recursion wise. And, uh, we test all the sheets on those. Uh, so if you, if you glance through the, the emotion test, you can get a lot of patterns and ideas on how to test your application. Uh, even if you're using another library like style components or glamor, it would be a good place to look if you'd like to learn how to test. Nice. It's very, it's very hard to explain some of the concepts of composition with emotion without uh, code demo. So I'm trying to think of the best way to explain some things. All right. So uh, one other thing is um, there are a lot of things changing in JavaScript. And, uh, you know, so people are using TypeScript or other things. Um, you know, somewhere in the middle is Babel. And, you know, you mentioned at one point the Babel plugin. Is, is that something that, that people can use? Is that something they should use? Is that something that's required? Okay. The before version eight of Emotion, uh, the Babel plugin was required. And this was due to a bunch of reasons that, uh, just technology reasons. We weren't, we weren't, we weren't there yet. Uh, as of version eight, it's no longer required. You can just open up a code sandbox, require emotion and get going. There's plenty of examples on code sandbox. Uh, if you search for emotion, um, the Babel plugin is very handy though, uh, because, because we, it was required before version eight, we have a lot of users using it. And so there wasn't a lot of friction for them to keep using it. And there's a lot of uh, momentum behind using this Babel plugin. And there are, uh, are a lot of reasons to use it, and I recommend it. Um, there's, here's a couple of things you get with the Babel plugin. You get the, the style.div shorthand syntax, like you see with style components. If that's your thing, you can use the shorthand. Uh, we also minify all of your styles for you. Uh, if you're using string styles, what we'll do is we'll remove all the white space, all of the extra stuff in there, and it just becomes this one-line string. Uh, uh, because Uglify and things like that can't minify those because it's a complete string, and you know you put it in there, you, they can't minify it. But we know that there's styles, that the white space doesn't matter, things like that. Uh, we also put a, you know, we put a pure flag, we put a pure, this pure flag before the function call. And what this pure comment flag does is it tells Uglify.js that these, uh, that these function calls that you have for your styles are candidates for dead code elimination. Uh, this is very cool when you have a very large app and you have, say, a, a component library or a or a universal styles area, like you have a mix-ins with SAS. And if this particular part of your app isn't using those functions, Uglify knows to drop them. And so you basically get dead code eliminated styles for free. 
another neat trick you can do with the Babel plugin is you can turn on static extraction. Uh, what this means is any styles that have no dynamic values or uh, have no computations in them, they become candidates to become extracted statically. And what that means is they'll, uh, we'll create a CSS file right next to your JavaScript file. We'll add an import in your JavaScript file to that CSS file. And using Webpack or however you do it, you know, you have a CSS file that you can just import like any other CSS file. And it just works. A lot of people really like this feature. I, I think it's overkill. It's really cool, though, in certain situations. Say you want to use uh, a motion and you have a really strict content security policy or you have a really uh, vast set of, say, post CSS plugins or SAS plugins that you would like to run over your styles. Uh, you can do that. Um, my favorite thing that the Babel plugin enables is source maps. Uh, these are present in a couple of other libraries, but I think we we got it. We did we've done a pretty good job. Uh, whenever you're looking at your styles in the inspector in Chrome, and you normally see a CSS file as the source, uh, with Emotion in Dev mode, you'll see a link to the JavaScript file. And you can click it, it'll take you right to the style. You can tell where it came from. You could, if you have it set up correctly in Chrome, you could mess with it directly. Uh, all that works. And last but not least, uh, having the Babel plugin uh, allows to use the CSS prop, which is amazing. The CSS prop, you can add it on any element or any. Uh, JSX, JSX tag that you would like, even custom components, as long as they accept a class name. What we do is we take whatever's in the CSS prop, we wrap it in a, in a CSS call, and we merge it with your class names for you. It all happens at Babel time. You never see it. Um, you don't have to worry about it. It just, it just works. So you can write inline CSS and it turns it into a class name. And uh, so those, what, six reasons I think are why I recommend using the Babel plugin. They're pretty good reasons. There's a lot of power in there. Oh, there's one more thing that I wrote the other day that we released. Um, if you're using the Babel plugin and you turn on the hoisting option, we will automatically lift up any pure styles or uh, variables up into the upper scope of the JavaScript file so that they're, they can be, uh, they'll hit the cache and they'll, it's like uh, comparing the same objects. Does that make sense? The, the hoisting? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it, it can be really beneficial for performance, especially if you're using object styles. Awesome. If people want to go check mm -hmm. out Emotion or... Uh, try it out or anything like that. I mean, what, what's the best place to go for that? Uh, emotion.sh. And the repo is at emotion-js uh, slash emotion. And you can, also, you can also join our Slack channel at uh, emotion.now.sh. Great. All right. Well, can I, let's, let's go ahead and dive into picks. Do you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way 
to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device, uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Amy, do you have some picks for us? Sure. Uh, so the one I was going to pick, and I'll put a link in the show notes, <clears throat> but um, it's on Medium. Uh, it's written by an engineer at a startup called Change. She used to be at, she used to be at Medium, um, but it's all about uh, Bitcoin and blockchain. And um, but she her blog is using emojis to explain it. Um, and if you're not at all familiar with this stuff, I thought it was really really good. Especially um, we have an episode coming out soon on this, so. Uh, I was going to pick this for that episode, but I don't think I'm going to be able to make that episode because I'm going to be out of town. Uh, so I'm picking it now. Yeah, and then we're recording that one next week. So, yep. <clears throat> I feel like I need to pick like antibiotics and steroids as my pick, <laughs> uh, but oh, I'm still getting better. But um, I was going to pick a new protein bar since I haven't picked one of those in a while, but. I've been eating a lot of the uh, RX bars, and so they're just like, they have more natural stuff. I've kind of tried to like get away from Cliff bars and, or I'm sorry, uh, Quest bars and that kind of stuff. But the RX bars, um, I really like, there's like a salted dark chocolate. It's probably my favorite one so far. Anyways, um, so that's my health food pick. Uh, I Obviously, they don't keep you from getting pneumonia, but <laughs> uh, anyways, that's it for me. Yeah, Amy's the one that keeps us uh, healthy around here. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I actually, in in hindsight, I know exactly what happened. Um, like a couple episodes ago, I think I mentioned how I was like running and doing CrossFit and lifting and work and you know conference speaking. It's just too much, and I wasn't getting enough sleep and pushing my body way too much, and my body was just like, "Nope, you've had enough." Uh, you you took it too far, so I'm going to force you to rest now. Anyways, so don't do what I did. <laughs> All right, uh, I'm going to jump in here with a few picks. Um, one of them is is kind of a dumb pick. Um, there's this dumb game that I downloaded on my phone. It's uh, what is it? Let me see if I can find it here real quick. Uh, it's Disney Emoji Blitz. And the rewards for playing the game are emojis that you can send to people in your texting app. <laughs> so, what? yeah. So, uh, anyway, it's kind of fun. My wife's a, a Disney nut, so um, I've been able to send her some fun emojis, uh, Disney emojis. And, uh, yeah, anyway. fun. So, it, it's kind of like, um, what is that game? Candy Crush? Except it's emojis, and, yeah, so you just match them and... You get more emojis the the further down the, the road you get. So, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and pick that. And then um, one other thing that I'm going to pick 
is um, when this comes out, this will come out next week as we record this. Um, I just started a course on how to find a new programming job. Uh, the first um, the first video, I'm doing them live. Um, so you can jump on and, uh, you know, you can be involved with them as I deliver them. The first one is our, has already been delivered. It was delivered on Monday, but um, it's just basically an overview of how to do the job search and all the real meat comes in the next few episodes. So if you're interested in that, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Um, and you can go check it out. Um, I've also been emailing the list about it. And uh, I had a whole bunch of people from the couple of uh, conferences that I put on on the list that were new. So, you know, some of them have been unsubscribing because they signed up for the conference. They're not so interested in this. But um, anyway, if you want to get on the mailing list, you can just go to javascriptjabber.com and uh, you'll get any announcements I have about any of this stuff going down in the future. Um, and uh, yeah. That, that, those are my picks. Kai, what are your picks? I have uh, some picks I think uh, people who are interested in CSS and JS might want to check out. Um, one is called Styled System, and uh, it's a, a system for doing responsive uh, and modern layouts uh, with JavaScript and CSS and JS. And it has these things called responsive values uh, where you... Uh, are able to write your uh, media query values in an array, and so you don't have to even write media queries. Uh, it's a great, uh, it's a great system to use if you're using CSS and JS. Um, another pick I have is called Face Paint. It's a library I wrote that's in a similar area. It allows you to write media queries in one line. It does that for you, and I, I think that's it. Oh. Um, my health food shout-out is for uh, Aussie Bites from Costco. Good stuff. Nice. Uh, Never had. <laughs> if people want to follow you on Twitter or GitHub or maybe you blog somewhere like on Medium. Uh, uh, they, can, people go? They, they can always find me uh, my, at my name, uh, TKH44. Uh, it's the same on all the platforms. All right. Sounds good. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. Thank you for coming, Kai. All right. No problem. I had a great time. Thank you. All right. We'll uh, wrap this one up, and we'll catch you all next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by CashFly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with CashFly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.